0: our lesson tonight comes from the book of Jonah we began last week looking at Jonah running from his responsibilities and we talked about uh, that problem and how we also want to make sure we are not running from our responsibilities and tonight we're looking in Jonah chapter 2 and I want to show what we can learn about prayer and repentance from this chapter because in this chapter what we find is prayer and repentance not salvation in the sense of an unknown coming to Christ or coming to God, but prayer and repentance. We know at the end of chapter 1 of Jonah that the Bible tells us that the Lord hath prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we think about this situation which Jonah was in, we can say without a doubt it was a very unique situation i think i can say with all confidence no one here has found themselves in the belly of a great fish we have no doubt been in the midst of many storms we have been in the midst of various hardships but to say that we spent three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish i don't think we can say that but jonah could and actually look at history there have been occasions where individuals have have been found inside of wells, for example. Uh, I think it was over in England and others, other, perhaps a few other places where individuals have been found to be swallowed whole by uh, wells and things such as that. The Bible doesn't say this was a well. just tells us it was a great fish. In all reality, it doesn't really matter at all if it was a great fish or a well or a number of what it was. The point being that God, when Jonah left the boat, It didn't take long before he found himself in the belly of this fish where God wanted him to be. And uh, we think about that, those events that transpired here, it reminds me of not only the power of God, but also his creativity. You think of the various ways in which God could have punished Jonah, the various ways in which he could have brought about trying to drive home the need for him to repent. He chooses to have him to be swallowed whole and alive by giant fish. Now no doubt we have some very interesting ideas in life that come about us, but to say that we ever thought about being swallowed whole by fish as a way to cause someone to repent, that probably isn't the first thing that comes to our mind. Because we know up until this point we have seen various occasions where God has done various things to try to bring people back to him, to try to sometimes knock some sense into him. We saw that going back to the flood in Noah's time. We've seen that in the time period of Sodom and where the fire literally rained from heaven. They are given chances to repent, and they refused. We know uh, various other instances where God has chosen nations and groups of people to punish His people to try to bring them back to Him. But in Jonah's case, he said, No, I'm going to prepare a fish for him. And we find in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, that as we're going to notice here, is that disobedience always puts man in a difficult situation with God. And Jonah, no doubt, finds himself in a difficult and a very unique situation as well. In Jonah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we find what I call Jonah's acknowledgement of why he was in the fish. He understands very clearly in chapter 2 that he knows why he is in the position that he is in. We know in chapter 1, when he is in a boat with those... Fishermen there with those mariners, as some people call them. He knew why the storm had come about because when he came up and they finally questioned him, he says, All this is because of me. And in chapter 2, that doesn't seem to change. He says, I know why I am here. In verse 1 of chapter 2, the Bible tells us here, beginning in verse 1, he says, and The Bible says, And Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction because of the situation in which he was in. Now what has brought about his affliction is sin. He was there because as he mentioned in chapter 1 he was trying to flee and run away from God. And in chapter 1 and also here in chapter 2 we see that didn't work. He is there. He is in this situation because of his affliction. His prayer to God is because of his sin. We find there in verse 1, the Bible tells us he prayed to the Lord his God from where? From the fish's belly. From the fish's belly. He said, And I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. We continue reading, we find that God had placed Jonah in this place because of his disobedience. We continue reading verse 2, he says, And he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. And I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. He realizes that he is in this place, and we find here in verse 2, verse 3 and 4, he talks about the various things that take place during this time of him being inside this great fish. We know again in verse 1, he's in the belly of the fish, right? He says, For you cast me into the, into the deep, into the heart of the seas. He says, The floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. He's referencing there the idea of this tempest in, this, in the sea, right? He says, And I have said, I have been cast out of your sight. You think about that idea. He says, He has been cast out of sight of God. We know in verse chapter 1, He was cast overboard. And then he gets into the water, and then the, the fish captures him, right? But he says in verse 4, he says, "...I have been cast out of your sight." A reference to God. that there he has been cast away because of his sin. And again, that sin was his disobedience. But also notice here in verse 4 what else Jonah says. He says, "...Yet I will look again toward your holy temple." Now, there have been some in the past who try to say that in Jonah chapter 2 you have a sinner's prayer, but yet that's not the case. Because in order to be a sinner's prayer, he has to be first to be a person who's not a follower of God. But we know in chapter 1 that God calls to Jonah who was already a prophet of God. We also find in chapter 2 that in looking at verse 4, he says, I will look again, which means he has looked before. So he must have already been, been a follower of God. So this is not a calling out for salvation in the sense of spiritually save me from my sins. He was calling out to God for repentance and to be saved from being basically fish food, right? Because the whole time that Jonah is saying these things in chapter 2, if God decided to no, Jonah's words are not genuine, he doesn't actually mean these things, that he's not sincere, all the fish would have to do is simply digest Jonah. He was in a predicament in which he could not allow himself to be looked upon by God as being someone who was not truly coming to him in a true repentance. And we know, as we're going to continue reading in the book of Jonah, he had his problems. But in Jonah chapter 2, he is praying to God for forgiveness and specifically for repentance of his sins. He says in verse 4, Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. We think about his prayer is because of sin. We also find despair over sin. We might say, as I say here in this section here, it sinks him. Not in a a physical sense, but in a figurative sense. He is sinking in his viewpoint and how he is feeling about himself spiritually before God. He is sinking. Looking here with me at verses 5 and 6. He says the waters surrounded me even to my soul. Is the soul a physical thing? Now some commentators will say oh, this is talking about his endangerment of life. And no doubt his life is endangered the entire time, wasn't it? Well yeah. But can waters literally surround your soul? Well, no, because your soul is not a physical thing, is it? What he's talking about is that his spiritual condition is in jeopardy. Not his physical one, though that's too, but his spiritual condition was in jeopardy to God. He was spiritually in sin, and we find in, chapter, in earlier in chapter 2, what did Jonah start by saying? He says that God had cast him out. And so what he says here in verse 5, "...the water surrounded me even to my soul." He's saying his spiritual condition... It's not pleasing to God at that moment. The deep, he says, closed around me, weeds wrapped around my head. Some, again, talk about this could be inside the well, this could be outside the well. In all reality, or outside the fish, whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, fish, inside the fish, outside the fish, it doesn't matter. What point he says is sin, but it seems to be in the very beginning of chapter 2, it's inside the fish. But regardless, what is happening here? He says in verse 5 that his soul is in jeopardy. The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds wrapped around my head. The image here is that there was nowhere for Jonah to escape from now. He couldn't swim fast enough. He couldn't get untangled fast enough. There was literally nowhere for Jonah to run to now. You know, before in chapter one, where did Jonah try to run to? The Bible tells us he got to a ship, didn't he? He got in the ship the the Tarsus, and then he got into the bottom of the boat, right, to try to sleep until he got to that city. He tried to hide, but in chapter two, there's nowhere to hide. Where do you hide a dozen great fish? Nowhere. We continue reading in verse six. He says, I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. The idea being that all hope was lost in verse 6, right? But you look continuing the final part of verse 6, that second half of verse 6. What, was, what does Jonah say? He says, yet you, there's the difference, yet you, referencing God, he says, have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. You see where he starts talking about why he is here, and then he starts seeing a little bit of a turning point. he says, but you, and that idea of but you, Lord, is, is continued to be repeated throughout the rest of this chapter. Yet you have brought up my life in the pit, O Lord, my God. You notice he starts off by saying in verse 6 that the earth and its bars closed behind him, he says, forever, which means there was nothing that he, Jonah, could do to get out of that condition himself. It would require God to get him out of that position. And he says in verse six verse six, there yet you have brought up my life from the pit. In case we're worrying who he's talking about, he says, O oh Lord my God. His only hope was God. We continue reading, we find that Jonah now verses seven through ten We find that he sought deliverance. Not only physically, but we can say a thing very clearly. He sought it spiritually as well. Because he knew he was not right in the sight of God. That's why he was there in the first place. God wasn't there just to toy with him. He was there to punish Jonah. And we find in verse 7, what does Jonah do? His soul, as the Bible says, fainted within him in verse 7. Here the Bible says, when my soul fainted within me, what did Jonah do? He says, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you and to your holy temple. His prayer went up to God from the depth of where Jonah was at that time. You can say as out of doubt, I think, that Jonah physically and spiritually was in the worst condition of his entire life when he called out to God. He was in danger physically and he was in danger spiritually. And when he says in verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, meaning when he thought all hope was lost, he was going to die. And he says there, my soul. Remember Jonah also said he was cast out by the Lord. you think Jonah thought that more than his life was gone, that his soul was going to perish? Because he was outside of... Being pleasing to God. He was not in that right relationship with God. You don't find yourself in the belly of a fish if you're in the your right relationship with God. God doesn't put you there for no reason. He says in verse 7, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you. In two, he says, your holy temple. During Jonah's most difficult time, he knew he had to turn to God. His prayer was heard by God. And while Jonah had sinned, he was still treated as a, as a follower of God. Thus God heard his prayer, and we know as we're going to continue reading, that God would respond. That God would respond to what Jonah prays. We find next in chapter, excuse me, verses 8 and following, that Jonah has a vow of commitment to God and then we see a result. He does make what I call a vow of commitment to God. He's going to praise God and follow Him. Unlike some, he follow other other things. We find in verse 8 that Jonah starts his vow to God by first saying that those who hope in idols place their hope in worthless things and give up any hope of mercy by doing so. Look what he says in verse 8. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Why would you say that during that time? Does that sound odd? You're in the belly of the fish, you're praying to God, those who, those who regard birth as idols forsake your own mercy. Why would you say that then? Jonah's pointing out that those idols could not save him. He's pointing out that anyone who worships idols, could not. they couldn't call out to those, to those idols to bring him up in the depth of that pit, could they? They could, but nothing would happen. That's what we find in verse 8. He says, those who regard worthless idols. That's a very strong thing to say. Because during Jonah's time, especially, were people worshiping idols? Absolutely they were. There were a lot of people who worshipped idols. Who created those things themselves. And Jonah says in verse 8, he says, they are worthless. He says, those who regard those things, he says, forsake their own mercy. Why don't you say that? Because you look back at verse 7. What did Jonah say? He says, I remember the Lord and my prayer went up to you and to your holy temple. Why didn't he pray to God? Because that was the place of mercy and hope. So why don't he say this, say what he does here in verse 8? Because he wants, he wants to remind himself, I think, and also make sure God understands that Jonah isn't going to go after some idol. That if he gets out of that belly of that great fish, he's going to go bow down to some worthless idol? Jonah says no. It says if you do that, you forsake your own mercy. Because there is no mercy from idols. They can do nothing. Instead, we find in verse 9, what does Jonah say? He says, but I... Making a difference there, right? That distinction. Unlike those who worship false idols, who sacrifice their own mercy, you give them all chance of hope by doing so. He says, but I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You know, chapter 2 is only 10 verses long, but Jonah says a lot of very powerful things, doesn't he? And we know that God is not mocked, that God is not simple minded, God is not foolish, He's not one who is easily, or He's not one at all who can be duped. Or to have the wool pulled over his eyes. Did God know the true condition of Jonah when, in verse 10, the the fish vomits him up? You think God knew that there was still work for Jonah to do? In my opinion, I don't think there's any doubt God knew there was still work for Jonah to do. And chapter 4 reminds us that Jonah had a long way to come to change his mindset completely. But what Jonah gets in chapter 2 is something that some people don't get still today. He gets a second chance by God, doesn't he? Because you have a calling by God to Jonah in chapter 1, he had a second calling in chapter 3. Where he tells Jonah, who now has a much different attitude and probably a much different smell about him, he tells him to go to Nineveh, right? Now, the Bible doesn't reveal the timeline about from the time he has vomited up the time he goes to Nineveh. Some say, though, perhaps when Jonah entered Nineveh, that he looked a lot different because of being inside this great fish. Possibly, but one thing was changed. Jonah knew the last thing he wanted to do was find himself in anywhere near a boat, anywhere near a fish, and being outside of outside of uh, the right relationship with God. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Looking at chapter, looking at verse nine, rather. So Jonah makes this comparison. Verse eight, he talks about those worthless idols. Have they have they hold no mercy? He says, those who regard them forsake your own mercy to give up any chance of hope. In verse 9 he says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice, he says, of thanksgiving. Can you imagine how thankful John must have been in verse 10? I can't, I can't imagine, so we'll get there in a moment, his emotions when he was finally brought forth from the fish. Probably a lot of different ones, but I'm sure the first one he felt was, I'm glad I'm alive the Lord gave me another chance, right? But in verse 9 he says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And how does God respond? The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You notice the Bible doesn't say actually where Jonah was released from the fish. It just says dry land. We don't know where it was in relation to Nineveh, or at least I don't. But... You think Jonah really cared where he was released from? So long as God gave him one more chance, and all reality, God gave him more than just one more chance. That we'll talk about later. But in chapter two, we find He gives Jonah a second chance, no doubt, after a very scary—you might say—a very eye-opening ordeal. When Jonah was released from that fish, there in verse ten, I can only begin to imagine some of the prayers that went up to God from Jonah. The thankfulness and the mercy that Jonah probably felt was one that's hard to imagine. I mean, yes, he was in a difficult situation. Yes, he, when he was brought forth in verse 10, that was a very disgusting way to do so. But I don't think Jonah cared at that moment in verse 10. I don't think he cared what he looked like, what he smelled like, what was all over him. The point was that God, the only reason he was on that dry land in the first place in verse 10 is because God allowed him to be so. God prepared the fish. God also prepared his release in verse 10. Jonah, no doubt, was very, very grateful for that chance to come back to God. Some lessons for us today. God can deliver man from Anywhere, Remember where Jonah was. He was in the belly of the great fish. He was in a very unique situation there in verse 2 and verse 7. He cried out from the belly of the fish. He cried out, uh, verse 7, when he, he thought all hope was lost as well. And the Bible tells us that God heard him. Jonah prays from one of the most unusual places, yet his prayer is heard by God, right? You pray in one of the most unusual places. You know, we all probably have, have times that have stopped and prayed, and maybe we think, well, this is kind of a unique place to pray. Maybe we're walking somewhere and we get lost and we duck into a side alley and pray that we can find our way home before we wander someplace that's not safe or whatever it may be. But Jonah, I think, gets the top one, don't you think? From the belly of the fish. He prayed to God, and we find here what happens. The Bible tells us that God heard his prayer. Jonah also would be delivered from the most unusual place. God not only hears from anywhere, but God can save anyone from any peril or any difficulty they find themselves in. We think about how many times people have have fallen into various disasters, People, people who have been trapped in mines. People have been trapped in caves. People really have fallen down in wells and we could get them out. I remember last year sometime I was watching a, a documentary because that's what I do. I'm kind of a nerd that way. But it's about a guy who went in to do some climbing or to some cave uh, exploration, him and his brother. And they had been there before and it was this cave that had been shut down previously but now they had reopened it. And so they decided they're gonna go crawl around and crawl around. So they find this place he crawls through and he gets stuck. And they never get him out. They close the cave, and he died in that cave. If you think about a cave, and you think about a belly of a fish. Which place is more difficult? Someone saved the cave, someone saved the fish. But keep in mind, when Jonah came up, the fish was still alive, wasn't he? think people, they could rescue someone from a fish without killing the fish. I doubt it. In cases, you go back and look in history, people have been found inside of uh, whales and things like that. The whale is all, always dead when they brought the person out. But in Jonah's situation, the fish and Jonah were both still very much alive. God can save from anywhere. Our second main point is that repentance brings restoration. Jonah was restored and given, given a second chance before God when he was released from that fish in verses 9 and 10. Remember his words in verse 9, but I will sacrifice to you the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed, which means I will do as I have been commanded. I will keep my words. He does in chapter 3. Salvation, he says, is of the Lord. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah's prayer and vow to sacrifice to God is a conclusion to his comments displaying his repentance before God. And as a result, he, he is brought back from the deep, a place from which only God could save him. We think about all the bad places we find ourselves, all the difficult things we go through in life. And we think that no one has ever gone through anything so difficult. And then we look at people like Jonah. But Jonah's not the only one, is he? Job. The Apostle Paul. In prison for the most of his time as a Christian. He was in prison. Christ. So when we think that we are going through bad times and that God can't possibly deliver us, we can see where God Delivers people right. The Apostle Paul, yes, he spent his, most of his time in prison. Would, would God reward him for doing those things he did? You know, when the Apostle Paul went to prison. He could just say, "You know what? That's it. That's far enough. Because I want to get out of here. I'll be quiet. Just let me out." But he didn't. Jonah. What would happen if he went against God? Gulp. Right. What would happen if Job? called out and said, I no longer am going to follow God anymore whatsoever, what would happen? Satan would have won that challenge, wouldn't he? And so much more. And so we find over and over again where people have come through various difficulties and challenges, but with God, they have overcome them. Paul, while in prison, what did he do? He endured through those things. Job endured. Jonah endured and was preserved, Right? Christ is what he endured and saved, no doubt, countless souls who would obey him. So let us have the mindset that we will not delay when it comes time for us to repent. When Jonah was cast overboard, how fast do you think that prayer began when the fish came upon him? I can't imagine what his facial expression must have been when he realized where he was and how fast he began praying to God. We want to have that type of speed, but we also want to have that type of sincerity. We can pray fast, but if our heart is not right, it doesn't matter, does it? Jonah prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. It wasn't just a few words. He prayed, and he begged for God to spare him. Jonah repented, but consider, consider what it took for him to do so, and let us learn from his situation. When Jonah was on the boat, what did it take? The mariners coming to him and waking him up. When Jonah was cast overboard, what did it take? A fish. Right? We say a fish. It took God. Let's be honest. God did all those things, right? For Jonah to come about. But Jonah is a very unique individual. So we'll talk about later in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Jonah still has a lot of change to do when it comes to his feelings about Nineveh and really the lost in general. Blessed be those who, when we find we are not in a right position with God, that we will make ourselves right before it is eternally too late.